0: Hello and welcome to Glasgow City Heritage Trust podcast, if Glasgow's Walls Could Talk, a new series about the relationships, stories, and shared memories that exist between Glasgow's historic buildings and people.
1: Hello, I'm Neil Murphy and welcome to if Glasgow's Walls Could Talk, a podcast by Glasgow City Heritage Trust about the stories and relationships between historic buildings and people in Glasgow. In this episode, we will be talking about football and its social importance, and also about how much stadiums shaped and influenced Glaswegian lives across the centuries. Football in Scotland goes back almost 600 years, and just like nowadays was enjoyed by monarchs such as James IV and Mary Queen of Scots and commoners alike. Did you know that the oldest existing football in the world, dating from around 1540 and made of a pig bladder, was discovered in the Royal Palace at Stirling Castle. Scotland can also claim to be home to the world's first known football club, founded in Edinburgh in 1824. One of the most interesting aspects of football is undoubtedly its social value. Football clubs, for example, are historically known to be one of the main forces through which collective social identities are created and reinforced. Very often, and particularly in Glasgow, football clubs and teams enable communities to know themselves and to reinforce boundaries. People and social interactions are at the core of football, just like stadiums and all the other venues linked by sport, such as pubs and clubs. These spaces constitute an active agent in shaping Glasgow's collective memory. Stadiums and sports venues can be considered as one of the most ancient forms of urban architecture. Think about the stadium at Olympia or the Colosseum in Rome. These venues continue to save our cities and attract millions of people year after year through the centuries. Glasgow is home to a few iconic stadiums, whose history is deeply intertwined with the history of the city and its people. One of the most famous being Ibrox Stadium, which is A-listed and is located on the south side of the River Clyde. Ibrox is the third largest football stadium in Scotland, with a capacity of 50,817 it opened as Ibrox Park in 1899, but sadly suffered a famous disaster in 1902 when a wooden terrace collapsed, causing the deaths of 25 people and injuring more than 500. Another important in Glasgow Stadium, and Scotland's National Stadium, is Hampden Park. The present stadium is the third to be called Hampden Park, and has first opened its doors in 1903. Up until the 1950s, Hampden was the largest football stadium in the world. The current Hampden Park is also a historic venue for both Scottish and European football. The stadium has hosted six European Cup finals and holds various attendance records. In 1937, the first all-ticketed Scotland match attracted an attendance of 149,415. The British record for any match as Scotland defeated England 3-1. What these stadiums have in common is the fact that they were both designed by the same Glasgow-born architect, Archibald Leach, who lived from the 27th of April 1865 to the 25th of April 1939, and who is most famous for his work designing football stadiums in Scotland, England and Ireland. As a result of the Ibrox disaster of 1902, Leach's reputation was certainly damaged. And yet after the disaster, he somehow managed to be hired again to build the replacement stand. After this episode, Leach's career continued to be successful, leading him to be Britain's foremost football architect. In total, he was commissioned to design part, or all of, more than 20 stadiums in the UK and Ireland between 1899 and 1939. A few months ago, in spring 2021, an archaeological dig commenced in Glasgow to uncover the site of the First Hampden Park, known as the most significant footballing site in the world. The First Hampton was the home to Queen's Park, the oldest association football club in Scotland, and the national team from 1873 to 1884, when it closed due to the building of the Cathcart Circle railway line. According to Archaeology Scotland... The First Hampton needs to be preserved for future generations as it is the site where the modern passing game was created, setting the template for every subsequent football stadium. The exact location of the First Hampton has been lost over the years, but it was rediscovered in 2017 when Graham Brown, the Hampton Bowling Club secretary, discovered a railway map. Hampton Park is also famously home to the Scottish Football Museum. This great museum exists to promote the unique football heritage of Scotland, to build and maintain a national football collection, and to educate and inspire future generations. It holds various collections of football-related objects, among which are the FA collection and the Hampton Park collection. Back in 2009, it was in this museum that Football Memory Scotland started. So Football Memory Scotland is a project which aims to provide football images which allow people suffering from Alzheimer's disease or dementia to reminisce. The project also involves Alzheimer's Scotland and Glasgow Caledonian University. Scotland's football archive has thousands of images from the history of the game in Scotland. These images can act as memory triggers for people with dementia and can assist with short-term memory recall. The website enables groups throughout Scotland to access the digital collections of the Scottish Football Museum in order to facilitate reminiscence activity. Our guest today is Robert Harvey, volunteer and area coordinator in Glasgow for the Football Memory Scotland. Robert had hosted hundreds of football memory groups to help trigger memories. He says that this is much more than just football and we definitely agree. Robert is an ex-football player and in the 1970s played for Clyde FC. He played in all the old grounds and stadiums around Glasgow in a golden period for Scottish football. His debut as a schoolboy was at the National Stadium at Hampton Park and he scored a goal from 20 yards. It was a Royal of the Rovers moment that lots of schoolboys dream about. So Robert, welcome to the podcast. Good afternoon Neil, thank you. It's a pleasure to have you here, Robert. So first off, what can you tell us about Football Memories Scotland? How, how did
0: it start and what is your mission? So as you as you rightly said, it's been going now since uh, uh, around 2009. It started with a gentleman called Michael White, uh, who was a football historian with Falkirk. And he was doing, at his local care home in Stenhouse Muir, he was doing uh, a football reminiscence section with some old gentleman, Mary, who had uh, dementia, and he and he and he had photographs, football photographs, and he was intrigued by the fact that they, they could recall, uh, on many occasions, seven, eight, nine players' names quite easily, right. and that that intrigued Michael, um, and also in that uh, that group was an old gentleman who was sitting on his own. Uh, Didn't really take part until one of his friends called him across. Uh, And this gentleman turned out to be one of the inspirations for Football Memory Scotland. His name was Bill Corbett. And Bill Bill played, uh, he actually played for Scotland against England uh, in the early 40s at Wembley. Uh, And he he played with Celtic at that time, but it was the war years. And he also played uh, with various other clubs, including Falkirk. But the halfback line that day in Wembley for nothing each draw was Matt Budsby, famous name, Bill Corbett, and Bill Sha- Bill Shankly. Okay. So he, he used to say, "Not a bad half halfback line, son." <laughs> which is which is right, you know, f- fantastic. <laughs> uh, but anyway, Bill Bill, this sparked something off with Michael. Michael went back to the historians' meeting at Hamden. He told, he reported back what he's seen. Mm -hmm. He managed to get, as you rightly say, he he got a couple of historians at Aberdeen and Hibernia in Edinburgh to run much the same kind of exercise. Again, they get the same results. This was quite a simple process. Mm -hmm. Uh, They they got it evaluated with Caledonia University. There's something in this. These, These gentlemen, these people are remembering things about not just football, about their life, about their social life, about their families. And from that, that's, wh- that's how it spawns. So it's much more than football, Neil. Sure, it's more than just working with folk with dementia. Mm-hmm. Um, before, you know, we're we, it's, it's, it's actually open to anyone. But uh, we see quite a lot of folk who are socially alone or isolated come along to the meetings. And it could be a more pertinent time in history uh, when this pandemic eventually stops to use Absolutely. these things to use these things around the city.
1: Yeah, very much. I, I, I couldn't agree more with you. So do you think that there's a particular event or place that sparks the most memories of
0: the people you work with at Football Memories Scotland? Uh, we've got access to 7,000 images from the Football Museum at Hamden. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a huge collection there, and you can customise any any session, be it in a care home, be it in a football stadium, be it in a community setting. You can customise it to the people who are there. Um so, for example, if you had someone, and this is, a, this is a real real example, we had a gentleman who was a cardiac surgeon uh, mm-hmm. in a care home, big, big Motherwell supporter. So right. we customised the session to Motherwell for him and his family who come along. Uh, I, we've done it for many times for different people. Um, so you can customise it, the sessions uh, mm-hmm. as, as, as we go along with this. Uh, and it's not it's not just photographs we use. We use memorabilia as well, Neil, and also football memory boxes, which are things right, like right. Uh, mm-hmm, s- mm-hmm. old smelling salts and carbolic soap and, and things like that. So these these types of things help uh, to generate memories. But the, the place where it gets the most memories, I would probably say it's Hampden Park. And the event that gets the most, uh, maybe triggers the most for the gentlemen, the age groups we see, is probably the European Cup final with Real Madrids and Frankfurt's, which uh-huh. was generates all sorts of stories. <laughs> I mean, my my dad, my dad was at that game, um, but so was half of Scotland. And to this <laughs> to to this day, uh, it's still the biggest ever crowds from. Um, for a European Cup final, 127,000 people. And sure. just not just not far from where I'm sitting just now, uh-huh. the, re- the referee was a gentleman called Jack Mowat, famous okay. referee in Scotland. He actually got the train from Ruthergland to Hamden but in, and refugged to this famous European Cup final. So that that's a big, big event. Yeah. Sure, Absolutely. Why do you think that, you know, this does kind of trigger
1: these these memory cues with people?
0: Because it's so deeply ingrained. It's part of their life. Uh, you know, it's been a big part of people's lives, their social life. Uh, and and uh, it's not easy, Neil, in the sense you just can't put a photograph in front of someone and expect a, a reaction. You've got to work at it as a volunteer. And the key thing for a volunteer You don't need to be a historian. You Mm -hmm. don't need to know a lot about football. You do not need to be smart and just throw a lot of figures and facts at people. That's the last thing you want to do. The last thing, what you're looking for all the time is those triggers and listening to the answers. So that's the key thing for the volunteer. Because when you think about it, this is such a privilege. I mean, everyone Mm. in Glasgow has got a story. Every face that you see has got a story. And it's such a privilege for us to be allowed, to, for example, to get into a care home, you're actually going into someone's home. Yes. So to, to sit there, you've got to treat everything with total respect and listen and work hard to find the image. And many times the image will not be football. It'll be something surrounding. It may be the weather. It might be the okay. snow. It might mm-hmm. be a building. It could mm-hmm. be 101 different things. Right. Okay. Okay. Going going back to football, how much
1: do you think that as a collective experience where you've got all these people being grouped together shaped people's lives in Glasgow? Uh,
0: uh, Wow, Uh, definitely there's the answer to that. Uh, A lot of folks' lives are shaped by that. This collective thing really appeals to me. Uh, I've seen it time and time again, this collective Mm -hmm. experience. Mm -hmm. If someone is struggling a little bit, you know, someone struggling at a meeting for whatever reason, mm-hmm. uh, someone beside them may know something, and they will join in, and they will become part of it, and they will help people along to help them remember. So the collective side of this is powerful, uh, and the whole every every football memories meeting is a is a collective experience. It's not a host sitting there uh, telling you about mm-hmm. football. That's not what it's about. It's the collective group. Uh, you know. Uh, sharing sharing, and helping people. And there's nothing... Yes. Every, everyone needs a badge of honour in their life. Every person you talk to needs to be known for something. He's good at history. He's good at... Uh, she's really good at baking a cake. Whatever it mm-hmm, may be, mm-hmm. you know, everyone needs to be known for something. And one of the biggest compliments you could probably get it helps with his collective thinking would be, oh, he's a FIPA man. He's a Rangers man. He's a Celtic mm-hmm, man. Mm-hmm. Yep. He's a Clyde, Clyde man. And, yep. that, and that comes, in, certainly in Glasgow, what happens. And if, if you think about it, for example, where Clyde is down at Shawfield there, mm-hmm. that whole area was the Oatlands and the Gorbals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they were flooded with fans who supported their local teams. And that also happened in other places as well. Right. That brings me straight on to my next question, which is
1: to do with identity. And how much do you think people's identities... In Glasgow, were shaped by identifying or
0: belonging to a specific team or club. Um, I don't think you can get, get, away from, uh, get away from that question. You are quite. You, you become. Quite, you, become, um, <laughs> you, become <laughs> you become part of your surroundings. Absolutely. And you, be, I, I, and you certainly become part of the social group you're involved in. Mm-hmm. And your social group in football tends to be people who who support the team you support or vice versa. Yeah. Uh, so. Glasgow is um i mean there's there's lots of there's lots of cities across the world obviously with this huge fierce rivalry you know you think mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. Uh, i don't know Milan or Buenos yeah. Aires or wherever. Yes. Yeah, and yeah. Fo- football's a serious business when you think about it uh, we've had examples in the, in the world where a good example would be perle who actually stopped a civil war in Nigeria for three days when he was playing football in Nigeria? Really? T- pe- yes, he Wow. Has, yeah. When when his team uh Santos of Brazil went to tour in Nigeria uh-huh. in the 60s, there was a civil war going on. But the warlord, the warlords decided to have a ceasefire for a few days to go to the football. I mean, I don't, I don't remember a ceasefire in Glasgow, to be truthful, but, uh, but I, I can understand how it's not just Glasgow, it's other people who have this fierce, fierce loyalty to their teams. Okay, do, do you
1: think that kind of that influence, and uh, that loyalty, is deeper in Glasgow than when compared to, to other cities? And, and if yes, why do you think
0: that might be the case? No, I don't think so. I mean, it's very polite I mean, it's very. We, we all know the political and religious connotations in Glasgow. We all, we all sure. know that. We all, we all live here. Yeah, ab- you, absolutely. You, can't avoid it. You can't avoid it. You can't swing a cat without someone having an opinion on it, a strong opinion on it. But I dare say that'd be the same in many other places around the world, Neil. Uh, and, you, and uh, you know, as I said earlier on, uh, some people just take things to the extreme. You know, we, mm. there's lots of examples of that. You know, we know of players in South America being killed, for example, after World Cups because they scored an own goal. Oh, uh, really? you know, oh, goodness. Yeah, we know that in the 1938 World Cup final, was in it, mm-hmm. uh, they got a wee note from Mussolini basically saying, you better not lose this World Cup final. And I think I think the players, you know, it's, it's a serious Yikes. business. Yeah, uh, absolutely. We, well, you just have to see what happened <laughs> the other day with uh,
1: with the in- England-Italy match in the in Euro 2020, yeah. and the reaction on social
0: media to the to the players scoring the penalties or not scoring yeah. the penalties,
1: yeah. as the case may be.
0: Yeah. So social media has changed everything. The, the world has changed because because of that. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Turning to the actual the architecture and the
1: buildings, how how, how much do you think? That the stadiums as buildings contribute to the atmosphere and excitement as this kind of collective experience of a football
0: match. One hundred percent, they they contribute to the game. Uh, there's nothing worse for a footballer if you're playing in, a, in an area with nobody in the stadium. If the the terraces uh, fifty yards away from you, there's big spaces round about mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. That that that's 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 good for no one. Uh, the other side to that is. You know, you, the, the closer you get the fans to the to the to the actual pitch, the better the atmosphere. You hear some professional players will say in the big games that the noise, the atmosphere, you know, the, the amplification right about the stadium, depending on where they are, uh, can add a yard of pace to the game. So that can add that can actually influence the game on the pitch mm-hmm, and make mm-hmm. and make players quicker. And of course, you get, you get things like, um, you know, you don't want spaces around the corners of stadiums and noise going out the way. Uh, you want it all enclosed as best you can. You probably want uh, good fan zones where you really get a focus, you know. And, and there's examples of that in Glasgow, obviously, where that's, th- that's where all the noise comes from. And of course, Glasgow uh, had the famous Hamden Roar.
1: Uh-huh. I mean, you, yeah. the
0: Hamden Roar, when you look at the shape of the old Hamden. Um, you know, it was uh, it scared people, it scared players, <laughs> and that's documented. Uh, so that that really uh, that 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 shape contributed to that, and the shape of the stadium, and even even and nowadays, Neil, what you can do if you were starting tomorrow, you were going to build a new stadium along the road from where you live. You can go to UEFA website. Mm-hmm. And there's a 100-page document there on how to build a modern stadium and all the things to consider. So um, 100% it, it, it contributes to the actual game itself.
1: Right. Okay. Okay, next question is kind of loaded. So as I am sure you are aware... Irish historian Jed O'Brien, who's the founder of the Scottish Football Museum, is on a mission to prove that Scotland invented football with a campaign which is hashtag Scotland
0: What is your opinion of it? I hope he's successful. <laughs> uh, I hope he's very <laughs> successful. Uh, Jed uh, has actually came to, he actually spoke at one of our meetings for us, uh, tremendously mm-hmm. Uh, well researched, very passionate mm-hmm, about mm-hmm. it. Uh, I think he's done so much as other people have as well uh, to to kind of bring that to, to the fore, get that story out there, even get folks starting to think about it. And as you start to think about it, uh, who knows what's around the corner on this? But yes, it's an important question to 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 um, to answer actually. Uh, and uh, and there's nothing worse if you get to. Uh, you know, fake news about where the, the origins of football are, which maybe maybe some folk think some of the things we've heard recently have been fake. So sure. I, yeah, I I absolutely wish them every success. Uh, I've done the, the the you know the tours myself to the mm-hmm. Hamdens. I've, I've taken a lot of friends now mm-hmm, to it. Mm-hmm. We've walked around. Everyone is kind of uh, taken aback by the story and that, that that mile of glasgow is just uh, something special so yeah
1: sure sure absolutely on you go, jed. so if, if 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 jed could prove it that scotland was where football invented what would that mean to you
0: uh, as a, as someone with a great lover of football uh, i think it'd be a great thing for glasgow to be to be recognized globally as the home of football it's, it's such mm-hmm, a big mm-hmm. big thing to 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 have that uh, i would love that a uh, they find something there that really, really makes the argument null and void. It's just there. Um yeah, I think I think most football lovers would like to like him to be successful and what he's going to do here.
1: Okay. Right. Well the other big thing that's happening just now is that archaeological dig is happening in the South Side of Glasgow to uncover the site of the first Hampton Park, the original Hamden Park and the world's first purpose-built international football stadium Mm -hmm. so to give to give some of our listeners some background to this the first Hampton Park was opened in 1873 and was the home to Queen's Park Football Club and the Scottish national football team until 1884 when it closed for the construction of the Cathcart Circle Railway Line so and it was this stadium which witnessed some of Scotland's greatest victories such as Scotland's 5-1 win over england in 1882 and all that is recorded if you look at the back of hampton park bowling club as the train passes you can see this fantastic mural which records all of this so my question to you on the back of this what what do you think could be the most amazing object they could find in the
0: dig oh what a question your imagination could run riot with that question (laughs) um my goodness (laughs) I think uh, you probably probably a foundation stone. Uh, you know, a foundation stone. It would say something uh, like the home of football. You know, something that's in, you know been inscribed with something, engraved with something like that. But um, I would also, I mean, they're going to hopefully find things like uh, maybe part of the the original plane surface, maybe the mm-hmm, lines, mm-hmm. maybe the old uh, team bath. Maybe maybe there was twelve thousand people at some of the games across there. So you might find all sorts of interesting artifacts around about that. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe it'd be nice if they found something from the English FA that says acknowledging that Scotland is a home of football. That would really sure. kill that would really kill <laughs> the argument. <laughs> and, I, and I think I'm a bit, I'm a bit optimistic there, but I, I would love some like that. And I also think it, it, it would be nice, given uh, I know that the, the time you're talking about here was the, was the reign of Queen Victoria, and mm-hmm. she she was a great she was a great wordsmith. She used to write daily lots thousands of thousands of words. Um, I would love I would love if they could find maybe a, a letter from Queen Victoria just to acknowledge Scotland as a home of football. <laughs>
1: Well, we'll we'll have to see for that one. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, okay, kind of related then. If you could travel back in time, which Scottish match would you like to attend
0: in which stadium and why? Yeah, I'm going to give you two here. I'm going to give you quickly, uh, you mentioned earlier on that uh, I, I played my first game as a football player at Hampden Park. I was a schoolboy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would love to get back to that because it all happened so quick. It was just right. a, just, of a fog, just a fall, just a for me. Yeah. I was basically given. It was New Year's Day. I was given a phone call by the manager to turn up at Hampden with, mm-hmm. uh, with my boots. I turned up at Hampden with my boots. I was playing the game, and as you rightly said, I scored very, very early with that with, that, with, a, with a quite a long shot. So I'd like uh-huh. to see that again and be that because I don't remember too much of uh-huh. the game. Uh-huh. Uh, maybe secondly, I would like to go back to 1955. Okay. I would I would like to go to the Scottish Cup final Clyde against mm-hmm. Celtic mm-hmm. Um, That was the first uh, Cup final that was televised uh, uh, In Scotland uh, There was over 100,000 people at it uh, The referee Was the amazing Mr Charlie Faultless, which mm-hmm. is a great name For a referee, I think, Charlie Faultless <laughs> uh, uh, in the last, in the last minute of, in the last couple of minutes of the game, Archie Robertson scored a, a corner kick to equalise, make it one each. Okay. Uh, uh-huh. Now that's the only time a corner kick's ever been scored direct in a Scottish Cup final. And Archie right. was Archie, was a big influence in my life when I was younger. So I would like to go back and and uh, see see him play. Now that game finished one each. We meet many many men from Glasgow. Who were at mm-hmm. that game? Mm-hmm. Who also went to the replay on Wednesday at Hamden, A wet Wednesday. Mm-hmm. There was only there was only six eight thousand at that game. Only six eight thousand, and mm-hmm. uh, they can remember it as clear as day. So I, I would like to see it.
1: Okay, that's uh, two two very interesting memories, and the first one being particularly personal as well. I can totally understand why you'd want to relive that. That must have been yeah. such an amazing experience. Um, Okay, so we have a final question for you, which again is a completely loaded question, and we ask everybody who comes to our podcast this question. So it is: What is your favourite building in Glasgow, and what and why would it tell you if its walls
0: could talk? Um, there's two. I'm going to be too quickly here. My, my first one is uh, a building. It's, it's half in Glasgow and half in Rutherglen. Okay, and that's Shawfield Stadium which is oh, right. still, yep. st- still mm-hmm. up to this day yeah, yeah. I, lo- I, lo- I love the, the old gates the Art Deco style gates I uh-huh. love the whole perimeter right on the yep. River Clydes I love the old building beside it which is Art Deco mm-hmm. and if the walls could talk I would love the walls to tell us what Billy McNeil who was one of the most famous footballers of his generation known all across mm-hmm. Europe mm-hmm. what he thought the first night he walked on to the training pitch on the Thursday night and the dogs were just starting their racing Okay. So okay <laughs> so uh, so that's that's true that's what used to happen uh, I know yep. so, yeah, so, yep. so Billy, would uh, I don't know what he thought it's a long way from lisbon to Shawfield.
1: it certainly is okay thank you thank you very much for sharing that robert that's very very much appreciated and thank you as well for being such a a great guest and such a good sport on the yeah. on yeah. the podcast as well it is it's it's really very much appreciated and for our listeners if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share, and don't forget to follow the hashtag if Glasgow's Walls Could Talk. So thank you very much again, Robert. It's been very much appreciated. Thank you very much. The following message was submitted by a member of the public. If you want to leave a message about your opinions, memories, and thoughts about Glasgow's historic built environment, have a look at our website to find out how. One of my favourite memories of going to a match in Glasgow is walking up to a Celtic park with my oldest son for the first time. My mother and my best pal were also with us to make it even more special.
0: Glasgow City Heritage Trust is an independent charity and grant funder that promotes the understanding, appreciation and conservation of Glasgow's historic built environment. Want to know more? Have a look at our website at glasgowheritage.org.uk And follow us on social media at Glasgow Heritage. This podcast was produced by Inner Ear for Glasgow City Heritage Trust. This podcast is kindly sponsored by the National Trust for Scotland and supported by Tunex.